Welcome to Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron and I have known each other for a lot of years, both have a passion for investing. Obviously, he does. He was employed in it for four decades. But let's get back to our topic of investing in IPOs, Ron. Like, I guess one of the things that we maybe missed a little bit is, is the types of IPOs that are out there. And there's a short list, right? I'm going to talk a little bit today about IPOs. And we're going to start with low-risk IPOs. And we're going to work our way through to some of the ones that are up in the nosebleed section that are really risky. The lowest risk ones are generally government organizations that are sold to investors. And names like TELUS, Canadian National Railway, Ontario Hydro, which is Hydro One, those are names that have come to mind. And over time, they've done very well. And if you're living in a province where government owns something and it's is going to spin off their telecommunications services or they've owned a pipeline or they, they've owned some kind of public asset and they're spinning it off and privatizing it, these are the lowest risk assets you can buy that are IPOs. Why? Well, it's because governments like to get reinvested, uh, reelected. And so if they price it too high, they're going to have a lot of mad voters on their hands. If they price it low and the shares go up, got a lot of happy voters. Oh, you got a lot of happy voters that have made money. So if you get a chance to to buy a government spinoff and you can get some of the new issue, I highly recommend them because in most cases you're going to do extremely well. So would that have been the case back in the days of Alberta government telephones becoming tellers? Absolutely. Uh, that was. Uh, I mean, if you look at that issue back then. And where it is now, it's gone up many multiples of times. Yeah, I know Telestock is split on several yeah, occasions. Yeah, split and split again, and they raise their dividend year after year after year. So that would have been a great choice. Canadian National Railway has been another phenomenal choice. It's raised its dividend every year since public offering in the late 90s, and the stock continually goes to higher levels. So there's not a lot of opportunities in this sector. Generally, you don't see one every year, maybe every three or four years. But if you have the opportunity to participate in one, open your wallet. Okay, the next one is publicly traded companies that are spun off from the parent company. Now, a parent company can either take shares of, of and issue to them to the public. So they, they spin off that division by doing a public share offering or they can just have what's called a spin-off, where existing shareholders of, for example, United Technologies spun off Otis Elevator and Carrier Air Conditioning. And these are two separate standalone companies now that used to be under United Technologies umbrella. So either way, if the shares are spun off so that if you had one share of United Technologies, you might get 0.3 shares of Carrier Elevator and 0.2 or 0.3 of Otis. And, but if you had a couple hundred shares, you'd end up with a, with a position in these things. Generally, if you go back and look at the history, companies that get spun off because management doesn't have the time to de devote to a smaller division, historically, those have done very, very well. So there's something to keep your eye on because management only has so much time. And it used to be everybody wanted to be a conglomerate. They wanted to have 
retail. They wanted to have soup to nuts, soup yeah. to nuts. They wanted to be like your typical grocery store. But they found out that if you specialize, if you focus on your strength, what you're good at, and focus your management attention on that, you're going to do a lot better. So companies that had a hodgepodge of assets now are starting to spin them out. And these companies, they, they typically will have more attention paid to them. They'll have their own set of management. And often they can do quite well if they're in, uh, will help you determine that with the checklist we're going to be talking about here in a minute or two. Okay, other ones are private entities that have been in business for years and produce revenue and perhaps profit. A company like Uber is a good example. I mean, here you saw that company before it went public. It was already a major force in many cities in the United States and even in Europe before it went public. So these are companies that have taken enough time being private so they've established a track record. They've got a business plan and they're executing that business plan and revenues coming in. Often they get spun off to the public before they have revenue, uh, before they have profits. But generally they get spun off when they're pretty close to the point where uh, they can actually create a profit and they can, sh they can, investors are able to connect the dots to see that at the rate they're going in a year or two or maybe even three years, they'll be profitable. Okay, and the last one on this is concept stocks. Now, uh, this is one that, uh, you know, it's an idea somebody has. You you made an analogy to me. You and I were going to open up our own company. And we came up with an idea. Yeah. And look, that's really what it is. It's an idea, right? Yeah. It doesn't usually have any revenue or sales. Medical startups are, are good examples of concept stocks. You and I decide that we found a compound and we think, that it's the next big thing for cancer. So we raise some money, we hire a lab, we hire technicians, we get lots of equipment, we get uh, funding from the government, and we go ahead and we start doing years of research. Well, it might be eight, 10 years worth of research before we finally prove whether it, it works or not. So concept stocks generally are early in their career. They're an idea that might work and it might not. So caution is the is rule one here. So that's one of the questions. Let's talk about this checklist that you've put together, that you, you really have to show some discipline here. And just rounding up the, the first thing on your checklist is go back and look at the types. And the risk profile increases the further down on that types list that you go. So. Government spin-offs are generally the lowest risk. The highest risk are the concept stocks. But getting to questions you need to ask, the first question is, have the previous owners loaded the company with debt and then extracted the cash for their own use? Often you'll see this with publicly traded companies where management has gotten way, way, way too aggressive. They've taken on too much debt and none of the bankers have come in and said, you know, you're gonna have to cut your debt. So they look around and they say, well, we've got this little company here, we'll sell it. But in the meantime, they transfer debt from the parent company to this little company they're going to spin off and they just load the thing with debt. So you want to be very careful because often new issues are come out when markets are hot. But when usually what happens after a hot market, I mean, markets move in cycles is typically from the top, usually markets go down. So if a company's been laden with debt, lots of debt, when markets are high and then markets slide, 
and revenue dries up, often they don't have the revenue and the earnings to support that debt when things get bad. So make sure that when you're looking at a company, if it has been loaded with debt and it looks like the company can support that debt even in a bad market, well, then go ahead and buy it. But if it's laden with debt and you're going, this thing isn't going to survive the next bear market, then move on. Move on. Are the previous owners maintaining an equity interest or on the on the new entity, or are they taking the money and getting out of Dodge? There you want to be careful. If everyone that was associated with the company, the officers, the directors, the major shareholders, the venture funds that were originally financing this, if everybody's getting out of Dodge, you don't want to get into that. You, you want to be very careful getting in because if they're all heading for the exits, it's usually because they think there's greener pastures elsewhere. Not all the time, but if everyone is leaving or most people are leaving, I'd be cautious. I mean, obviously, if they're going public and they want to create some liquidity for their shareholders and for the venture capital people that were originally there, but they're keeping a position, and uh, th that's one thing. But everybody running for the exits is another. Generally, with these companies, they've got uh, they've got a handcuff rule where you can't sell your stock within a specific period of time, three months, six months, a year. It varies, but you you want to have companies where management feels comfortable that they could own a significant portion of the shares and they're there for the long haul. Okay, number three: Are the previous owners raising money to invest in the business? Or are they just pulling their equity out? Here again, you want to see a company coming to the market and they're raising capital because if you've got a growth stock court, you've got a company that's got that's small and it's got blue sky opportunities ahead of it. There's more opportunities than they have capital for. That's a great time to come to the market. They've already proven their concept. They've proven that they can get revenue. But here again, they have a small sliver of the market. They're overwhelmingly successful in what they do do, and they want to expand that market share. How do you do that? Well, typically you come to the market and get some capital so that you can hire the people and, and buy the capital goods that you need to, to be able to expand your product into other markets. So I like companies that are able to reinvest back in the business, and that's where a lot of the money is going. Here's a good question, and this one will relate to a lot of people that probably saw the movie. Is the promoter reputable, or is it a bucket shop, you think, to Wolf of Wall Street? All I can say here is that if you haven't seen the Wolf of Wall Street, which uh, Leonardo DiCaprio starred in it, you need to watch that movie because there's many things in that movie that were glamorized, but there's many things in that movie that's exactly the way it is. And being scammed, that's pretty much exactly the way it is. So you want to look, if it's, a, if it's a bucket shop, look at the people who are underwriting it. In other words, taking it public. Go and check online. Just do a Google search. And you'll find out how many complaints they have against them, whether there's charges against them for fraud. And if it's a small company, you might you want and there's lots of charges against them you really want to do your homework before you buy these things because there's so many scams out there and you just don't want to be taken all right 
Are the company's senior officers and directors reputable? Again, this is as simple as doing a Google search, typing in a name and finding out about their background, right? If you find a lot of officers and directors have a rap sheet. <laughs> or a mugshot. <laughs> a mugshot. Yeah. And, and this sounds hilarious, but many, of, or there's enough small companies that do IPOs um, that management just is not very good. Management has had, you know, you'll see someone who's bounced from company to company to company and and it's it's just been a disaster everywhere he goes and some people are just so incredible at marketing you know i've seen people that have ruined three companies in a row and they come back for a fourth one and people pile in and they haven't even bothered doing their homework so check it out check out to make sure that you know just google the guy's name go to linkedin go to facebook go to even if you if you just type in a name if if there's a problem that's one good thing about the internet. You find out really quickly the quality of the people. And obviously it works the other way. If if you've got senior officers or directors that are just a who's who, they've got tremendous amount of experience and tremendous amount of success behind them. That's the one you want to be with, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Do you have to ask yourself, what is? how do you determine, like the question here is, what is the company's growth potential? So I guess you'd have to look at the sector and determine how much competition is in there. Is this somebody with a new innovative concept that could really knock the doors down? Is that the way you have to formulate that? I think part of it is going back and just looking and seeing, does the company have goods and services that are currently producing revenue and profits? So the, the longer a company's been around and the more track record it's been able to develop, the less risk you're taking on. So your growth potential is going to be partly determined by looking into the past and saying, well, look, over the last two years, they've grown sales by 30 or 40% a year. And with the volume, it looks like they're going to be able to cut back their costs. So part of it is looking into the past, also just looking at the sector. If there's 20 or 30 other companies that are already doing this and they're having to discount prices because there's there's less opportunity. There's more supply than there is demand. That's a key factor. So look at the supply demand. If it's blue sky, if they're in a unique niche and there's currently no competition, and maybe the competition isn't going to arrive for three or four or five years, then you've got lots of runway to make money on these things. How are the shares being priced in comparison to the underlying fundamentals? This is where you got to get the math working for you. You have to get the math working for you. I, I, I saw a new issue I was looking at two days ago. And the share price, if you multiply the share price times the number of shares they issued, and you came out with total shares outstanding, so the number of shares out there times the price, and then you looked at the total opportunity available. In other words, if everything was perfect, how big is the market? I saw some shares where the value of the company was twice as big as the market that they were going into. Twice as big. That doesn't make a lot of sense. As total sales that they could possibly get. So <clears throat> here again, I mean, those shares took off. I think they went up by 60 or 70%. 
So you've just got to be careful. You've got to analyze the market. And generally, if you're if you're getting a prospectus, there'll be there'll be some opportunities. Or if you go online and look, you'll see projection growth projections for a sector. And especially if you can find independent ones in trade journals or science journals, uh, that'll help you determine how big that market is and and um, how much growth potential there is. Okay, here's another one. Are the shares being offered to the public when the markets or sector the company operates in are at all-time highs? Is that, that, that might ring an alarm bell, mightn't it? it? It should ring an alarm bell, but it's like um, going out and buying property in downtown Vancouver right now or in the last year. Well, Vancouver property is kind of flatlined. And Vancouver property has gone up so much. Do you want to pour a huge amount of money into a property, what could be the peak of the market? And the same thing holds true with, with stocks. If you've seen the market go crazy and it's gone beyond fundamentals. So in other words, what would you realistically pay if you were going to buy the whole company in this sector? And it might be you know, look at some of the private companies that are that are that are for sale. Uh, you know, go to the Chamber of Commerce. They'll give you a list of companies that are for sale. And if you wanted to buy the whole thing, what would you pay? Many of these new issues, because they've been hyped up so much and the market is so overvalued, that they're coming out with prices that are so high that it will never justify the underlying fundamentals of the the actual business. So. You want to look carefully and see whether if you're buying into a bubble, just be cautious. Okay, final one here is, does this offering have institutional interest? If the big guys are absent, retail investors should probably stay absent as well. Well, the advantage of being an institutional uh, investor is that you usually have a bunch of analysts working for you that can go and, and tear, Take this thing apart. tear yeah. the thing apart. And they typically had experience. And so if there's no institutional interest, if it's been, sh especially if it's been shown to the institutions and none of them are interested, it's just a cautionary flag because if they're not interested and they've had a good chance to look at it, uh, do you know something that they don't? Well, you might know something they don't, but chances are fairly slim. And the final note on this show, if you can't get the new issue, we talked on this, is wait a couple of days and see what happens. Yeah, if the price hasn't risen too much, um, for example, Facebook. I mean, when Facebook originally came out, everybody was calling it Faceplant. Yeah. Because the stock dropped back about 25%. Well, that would historically prove to be an exceptional opportunity. So... You know, Facebook was just a good example. If if you thought that market was going to take off, here was a company that even even when they were uh, um, coming into the market, they already had hundreds of millions of subscribers. They proved that they could they could attract interest. So, if if uh, you you see a pullback and it looks reasonable, that's the time to jump in. And like I also mentioned, uh, as we talked before, there's an ETF in the U.S. called IPO, and there's a number of other in exchange-traded funds, that's what they do, is they buy initial public offerings, usually if they can get them new issue, but if they can't, they try to buy them in the first year or two, or first day or two of trading. So there's other ways that you can play if you can't get in, because if it's a hot new issue, 
going to be very, very difficult because the big guys are in line first. Okay, I want to ask a question here that came up in a conversation with a friend of mine uh, in the not-too-distant past, and it was pertaining to the election, which right now we can see it out there, Ron. It's just a matter of days away down in the States, and who knows when we'll be going to the polls in Canada. You know, so many things are so expensive right now in the market, and Apple comes to mind. And yet there was that period here a few weeks back where the U.S. Congress called all the big tech companies in and said, you know, you guys are getting too big for your britches. And there was talk about perhaps a breakup. Is, would this be a good time if you're a holder of some of those stocks that have had such a great run? Would this be a good time to take some money off the table, do you think? There's an old saying that stocks or that trees don't grow to the heavens. And when you've had an enormous move, look at the value of the shares in relation to the size of your portfolio. People that have been tech heavy in today's market will often find that the, the tech sector in their portfolio has gone from 20% to maybe 40 or 50. A few years ago, you could have said exactly the same thing if you were an Albertan. Your in oil and gas. Oil and gas was half your portfolio or more. So rebalance your portfolio down. If you've had, doesn't mean you have to sell everything, but you should be prudently taking profits. And typically, I don't like 20% of my total portfolio in any sector. So if you find that 20% of your portfolio is in, in one sector or 10% of your portfolio is in one stock, just sell it down as it goes up. That way you've got some profits on the table. And caution, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying that the government in the States is going to go in and break these big tech companies up, but they have done it in the past. We know about AT&T as an example, right? And there's regulatory issues right now. I mean, these companies are continually coming before the government and looking for favorable uh, legislation. And I think that the, the, the public and especially the, the legislators are in a mood where they're going to start refusing uh, some of the the demands that are being made. Yeah, yeah demands are being made, and frankly, it's not the growth in the past that's already reflected in the price of the stock. And in many of these stocks, five or ten years of really robust growth is already built into the current price. And part of that growth is that you've got a compliant legislature that keeps coming along and 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 giving them giving them advantage. Ruling, yeah. yeah, and if they don't get that, there again, if if things go too high taking a little bit off the table, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing decision, is a very good and prudent way to manage your money. So there you go. Some advice from the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. We'll be back next week with another edition of Making Money. Remember, you can find us at letsmakemoney.ca. Our content is available on Spotify and Apple iTunes, and you can also catch Ron's Money Minutes twice daily on CFCW Radio, or you can check us out at cfcw.com. The show is called Making Money. We'll join you next time. Thanks for listening. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.